Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hey, James. Hey, Scott. Welcome to another week. Thank you. Welcome to you uh, as well. Here we go. We have another listener question. Let's do it. Thanks for the listener questions. If you want to submit one, you're welcome to wherever you listen to podcasts in the show notes or go to realpersonalfinance.co and you can put in your question. Submit a question. Yeah. Um, okay. Today's question is from D. Thank you for writing in D. Uh, and it goes, I am a 48-year-old single woman who wants to retire in my mid-50s or sooner. I have about 400000 in investments, of which only about 12% are in after-tax savings. I just started a new job, making with bonus about 105000 a year. Previously, I made 55000 a year. My plan is to live on half of my new income. I now max out my 401k, my HSA, Roth IRA, and put the rest in after-tax brokerage, which I was unable to do in the past. My fire number is one and a half million. My question is, do you feel I have a good plan? And what do people do for health insurance if they retire in their mid-50s? All right. Thank you, D. A lot of lot of info there. Thank you, D. Yeah, a lot of info. Great job maxing out those uh, those retirement plans, the 401ks, the Roth IRAs, the HSAs. And uh, sounds like some good things are happening, but I think what we can provide guidance on at high level is- Thoughts on FIRE as a whole, the practical side of it, the savings, expenses, just kind of a framework for how to think about that, both practically and even philosophically. And then where does health insurance fit in? Because that's, of course, a big concern for a lot of people is where do I get health insurance from if it's not coming from my employer? Yeah, absolutely. Um, What do you want to start with first? Let's start with, uh, I mean, one it's maybe to start. How do you how do you know if you're on track for that? So today, D has four hundred thousand in investments. She's mm-hmm. doing some good stuff with savings. When she says her fire number is one point five million, what that means for listeners, if you're unfamiliar with that means, it means that she, when she reaches one and a half million dollars, that's the point at which she believes she can stop working and have her in, her investments fully cover her income needs. Right. So that being said, she has about seven years or so. She's forty eight and wants to retire mid 50s, I'm just assuming 55, to turn 400,000 into 1.5 million. So the first place is, is that something that we think is realistic? What would it take to get to that point? Yeah, I mean- So you plug in away in your calculator furiously over there, and I think you've probably got some- Well, I just yeah. I just did quick math, right? So I just did quick math of saying you have 400K now, let's say you can save 40,000 a year, because mm-hmm. there have to be some taxes, right? So let's yeah, just, she says just, she wants to live on half. We're just but, ballparking, but we have to pay taxes, and but then we have half of whatever's left after taxes. I'm, I'm just going to ballpark really quickly. Save forty thousand a year gets saved. Um, a million and a half at an eight percent rate of return will take ten years. Okay, so I think it's um, in the you know in the realm of possibility. I think the the key is to understand the amount of risk that we're taking and what the trade offs are. Um, 
Things that come to mind for me immediately are we're never going to get rates of return every year that are consistent. Like I just put in a calculator. Yeah. Last year was a really, really good year for the US stock market. I don't know what this year is going to hold. Mm-hmm. We won't know until we're there. Yeah. A consistent savings rate will help D get there. There's no doubt about that. So if she can save half of her income, she will do a great job at making steady progress toward having a really high savings rate and um, reaching financial independence um, in pretty short order. It may not be back of the napkin quickly looking at it as fast as she wants it to be. If if she really needs to hit that 1.5 number, I think we could talk about that number a little bit more in a second. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I would want to know what that 1.5 million, what does that translate into in terms of the income she wants it to be able to generate? Right. So I, the first thing I would look at, D, is sometimes people look at their expenses today. And so say she's making 105000 right now, and previously she made fifty five, and, and let's assume that of that fifty five, obviously she was saving some, someone's going to taxes. Maybe she lives on 35, maybe a fair amount. Sure. So a lot of people look at that, you know, whatever the number is, and they say, okay, I want to live on 35000 per year. How much do I need in investments to be able to consistently generate that level of income? But sometimes what they fail to do is account for inflation. So maybe this 35000 which is just a number I'm making up, maybe that covers D's needs today. But 10 years from now, is it still going to be 35000 Probably not. So the, the first sure. thing I would ask is, did that $1.5 factor in things like not just your expenses today that you're living on, but the inflation-adjusted equivalent of those expenses years into the future when you actually want to retire? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another, uh, uh, you know, we start talking about inflation rates. We start talking about expenses today versus the future. It can get really complicated really fast. So a simple way to think of this is take the, uh, the amount of assets you have now, divide that by the annual expenses you have today. And that's the number of years your assets can support you. Mm-hmm. And just quickly, because without having to talk about percentages, once you reach like 25 to 30 years of assets, you're probably at a pretty safe place to think about retiring. Mm-hmm. And the reason I bring that up is because the um, the expense number matters just as much as the savings, the asset number, right? Like if we have a really small expense number, we don't actually need a huge asset number to get to 30 years worth of expenses. Yeah, you're going back to the... Uh... I mean, those algebra classes of the numerator, the denominator, and- They both matter, number and right? Smaller, they both number. Yeah, well, but my, both my, my, my question is when I read this, I'm just going like, well, is one and a half really what you need? Yeah. Right? Like, I don't know that, but that's something I'd want to I'd wanna get more clarity on. Exactly. And so we can apply some general rules of thumb to that. You can look at the, the rule of 4%, for example, and say, okay, 1.5 million is your number. Apply the rule four percent. That's about sixty thousand dollars per year of income that one point five million dollars in assets could generate for you. Right. So I, I think our first question is where does that one point five million come from, and maybe even more importantly, what does your desired lifestyle lifestyle look like yes. at that time? Yes. So that you can work through what is the right number to to reach that. But looking at the savings rate, which is going to be high now, and looking at the expenses will help you get to that number faster. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um. Another thing to be mindful of is the amount of risk you're willing to take to get there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the more you invest in the stock market, the more likely you are to see growth, but the more 
like Lior to have downturns as well. Like yeah. we'll talk about using bonds to ballast a portfolio or or not be as volatile. So you want to be really careful there as well. Yeah, de- definitely. And I think it's just understanding that you just ran a calculation on your calculator here. What if you get 8% per year, which is right. a totally reasonable growth rate. It's not unlikely that that would happen, but there's no guarantee. No guarantee. Certainly, the, sh- the shorter your time frame, the the lesser of a guarantee there is. Yes. So you may have great investments, D, that average 8, 9, 10% per year over time. Right. But it's not, it wouldn't be an uncommon scenario for you to significantly underperform that over the next handful of years, just because in the short term, which short term, when people think of it, means okay, maybe thirty days, sixty days, ninety days. Now, no, best in the short term, ten is, years. It, it can be several years. We've talked about that in the past, right? Um, the S and P five hundred coming in the two thousands um, had a, a a negative return, mm-hmm. right, for ten years. Yeah. Now over the take it to twenty years, now it's still a nice positive return again. Yeah. But there's a period of time where you just didn't get that, and so we're in a short time frame for D here. So just being mindful of that. Savings rate and controlling the things that you can control, divest, investing globally. We have episodes on this. Having, yeah. having, uh, you know, perhaps bonds in a portfolio. All things you want to be thinking about as you're developing your own plan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think she asked, "Do you feel as if I have a good plan?" I don't look at this and say, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe Dee's missing this major thing." You know, she's doing, she's checking the right boxes. It seems four hundred one k HSA Roth IRA. Now we could talk about. Where should you be saving? Yeah, I, that's the place that jumps out at me straight away, right? The what jumps out at you? What twelve percent of our our savings are in after tax savings. Mm-hmm. So I just quickly think, of course, we do want to save um, to retirement accounts for retirement. That that's a beneficial. But if we're going to retire in our mid fifties before we have, uh, you really don't want to be touching. Um, IRA assets until you're at least 59 and a half, mm-hmm. uh, you probably want to build up some taxable assets. Yeah. In, in taxable assets. So when D says she's putting the rest in her after-tax brokerage, those are the exact types of assets we'd be thinking. We we don't know how much, you know, quote unquote, the rest is in this question. Is that a couple hundred bucks a month or is that several thousand dollars a year or more? We just don't know. But yes, if you're going to retire between, before age 59 and a half, the question is, where do you pull income from? Without penalty, yeah. Well, and the the thing that I I think about there as well is it's just if you need funds, you don't want to have to pull from retirement accounts, right? If, if you don't want to deal with those penalties, as you're mm-hmm. as you're saying, so having an emergency fund, having funds in a taxable account can make a lot of sense. The other thing is managing your tax brackets, which gets a little bit more nuanced. But you know, if I just think of it back of the napkin. Uh, with the deduction and everything, you're probably in the twenty two percent tax bracket. You know, the, and we've talked before about what's best to save to pre tax or Roth. It's always the yeah. question, right? Well, what bracket are you going to be in when you retire? If you're going to be in a higher bracket now, it could make sense pre tax. Could make sense to do Roth. Totally depends on the situation. If nothing changes, which we've talked about before, mm-hmm. it actually doesn't matter as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but just really think about: Do you really need? Um, all of those funds to be going into qualified retirement assets, or might it make sense to have some assets in taxable accounts so you have it during those earlier years of retirement? Yeah, totally. And, and I think my last thing that I would want to ask, well, last high level thing I'd want to ask D about is just the purpose of it all. Mm-hmm. I, you know, FIRE stands for financially independent, retire early. I think, right? Mm-hmm. Am I missing something? Is that a brain? Financial part there? independence, retire early. early you got yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and, and, 
which is great. Like it's wonderful to be financially independent early. It doesn't mean you have to stop working, but it means you have the option if you want to. It is possible, and I've seen it, you can get so addicted to this fire just goal that it almost it becomes a goal itself. Like the goal is to become retired, not to actually say what do you want retirement to look like. And so people yeah. can become obsessive of constantly checking off every last expense or reducing every last expense or saving every last penny or or just constantly checking the portfolio balance. Am I almost there? And it's like this addiction that take a big step back and okay, when you reach that number, what's what do you actually want to be able to do? Mm-hmm. Are you trying to get there just so that you have freedom to choose what you want to do for work or choose what you do with your time or be able to pursue different things that you can't today? Then awesome. Like let's have a goal to do it. But is the goal to get there just for the sake of getting there I think a lot of people find it's kind of empty once they get there. And then that 1.5 million turns to two, turns to two and a half, turns to three. And it's just this almost fruitless pursuit of hitting some arbitrary number. Yeah. To your point, I mean, to me, uh, the fire movement in my mind would be, I'm, I'm more curious to know, well, what does freedom look like to you than what does financial independence look like to you? Because mm-hmm. for so many of us, if we actually, I think, Personally, I think sometimes we allow ourselves to go, well, I don't have enough yet, so I can't. Yeah. And if instead we just simply said, well, what does a great life look like to me? What's How can I optimize my own time, money, energy, and talent, not just my money? And how can I get more of the things in my life that I care about today? We might find that we bring more energy and we actually enjoy our job more. Yeah. Uh, or we might choose to change our job and dare to do it. Because we don't care about retire, you know, retiring early. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be harder and harder. And it's not not to say it's impossible. I know Dee can do it if she really wants to. But I think it's going to be harder and harder for us societally to, to go like, okay, I'm 55. I'm going to do nothing for the next 45 years. Mm-hmm. If you're going to live to 100. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's, yeah. that's a long time to do nothing. Yep. You're probably going to want to do something. So what's that going to look like to you? Because that can actually take a lot of pressure off of trying to accumulate all of these assets so quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I fully agree. And the other thing is why what is it about your mid 50s that you want to it, you know, is it do you really just dislike your job? Well, sometimes you dislike it because you're doing your job and then you feel like you're trapped after work because all of your extra money is going into savings and investments and planning for the future. And it's almost a sense of what if you took that raise? So you just got a really nice raise, almost double her income and started treating yourself to doing more enjoyable things, more trips, more enjoyment, more whatever. Maybe that job's not as bad anymore. And I say that because sometimes when people are in such a hurry to retire, if it's almost as if longevity of work is far more important than how much can you possibly cram into savings each year along the way. Because say she gets to her $1.5 million number. Let's say she saves nothing the next year, but she gets 8% growth in her investments. That's that's 120 grand of just growth before she even puts a dollar into it. So the longer she can just stick with something, and obviously, D, we don't know your particular situation. I'm just using this as an example. It's that longevity of work that matters a lot more than how much can you cram into investments all in a shorter condensed time period. And sometimes giving yourself permission to say, if you got a $50,000 raise, go enjoy it makes work more enjoyable to your point that you just had so how yeah. can you balance that to find the right solution and we don't know what that is for d of course we don't know 
enough about this, but just exploring this from a couple of different angles. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously, there's no perfect answer. D will find her own answer, but yeah. to, to your point, like I'm a big fan of making sure that clients are living great lives today while planning for their future with resiliency mm-hmm. versus, and obviously we don't know this. We only have the words that, that D wrote in with, but versus like, I'm going to work hard until I reach this number and then I'm going to go live my life. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, a, that's a, a lot of people don't make that promise. Mm-hmm. Better to live life today, have some resiliency, find things that you love to do. Because in all honesty, if you start looking, if you think about the math of it, you and I know how this works. If D goes, I'm going to work until I'm in my mid fifties, until I have this dollar amount designed. And it's, I don't know what the perfect number is. You got to work to really refine the expenses and the savings rates and all those things to figure out where you're at. And then I'm going to work half time and I'm going to make my 55,000 a year now. Mm -hmm. And I'm still going to have my life, my health insurance and do all of those things. Well, then like you create a lot more time freedom for yourself. You create a lot more um, options that totally work. You're not just relying on a portfolio for the next 40 plus years. Yeah, totally agree. So I think D to your question of, uh, do we feel you have a good plan? Yeah, I don't think we see any major red flags. I think both of us would would point out, practically speaking, do you have enough in after-tax brokerage accounts that you could live on if you do retire before 59 and a half? And then we'll just add kind of the, what's what's the driving force behind it all? Like, why do you want to do this? And is this the best way to get there? It's certainly a way, and it might be the best way, but yeah, uh, put some thought into that. You'll know that answer. Yeah. We don't. Yeah. Um, the next piece is she says, what do people do for health insurance if they retire in their mid fifties? I gave one option, uh, work at a place that provides health insurance. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. one potential solution. <laughs> well, totally. Like you said before, if they, you know, assume a life expectancy of a hundred, if you retire at 55, that's 45 years of no work. And for a lot of people, it's hard to go from full-time work, 40 hours, 50 hours, whatever it is to nothing. Mm-hmm. Do you transition and do you go find something that totally aligns with what you enjoy doing? Maybe the pay is not amazing, but it's something. And does it provide benefits as well? Could be a great in-between solution. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, outside of that, Cobra, obviously, when you leave your employer, you can be on Cobra for whatever period of time is deemed um, mm-hmm. by the uh, your employer. Yep. And so that will be, that, that will get you for the first, what, 18 months plus? Up to three years. Up kind to of three years. Depends on way in which you left and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that will, that will get something, but Cobra is certainly an option. Um, and for Cobra, what you're doing is you're simply paying the same amount that your employer was paying or very similar amount that your employer was paying, but now you're just paying for it out of your pocket. Your employer is no longer paying those amounts. One little side note here is if you are going to retire before age 65, you want to factor in your health insurance costs um, into your expenses. Because they probably, you're, if you're employed, you're not paying the full expenses currently. Uh, and you'll really feel that mm-hmm. when it's time to go turn them on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so going back to that, what what's your fire number? How much do you need to do this? Make sure that you're budgeting something in because yeah, it's not just as easy as saying, what am I currently spending? Well, currently you're probably not spending money on health insurance if it's covered by, if it's a pre-tax deduction or your employer's covering it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then if neither of those work, there's just the marketplace. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can go out and get it. And with the marketplace, depending on what your income looks like, you may qualify for a subsidy, which makes it actually very inexpensive. And mm-hmm. so this goes back to your point, Scott, of the more you can put into brokerage accounts. Well, if you can load up that brokerage account and you're fully living on, say, that and maybe some cash you put away the first couple of few years, 
your taxable income is very low. Mm -hmm. You're not in a very high tax bracket. Well, the other thing that translates to is you probably qualify for some pretty significant subsidy, which means your health insurance might not be super expensive um, at that time either. And just to be clear, when you're saying subsidy, so with um, with Obamacare, with ACA, when that passed and they made it so that across the nation, everyone had access to these plans, they wrote into the plans basically that depending on the amount of income that you have mm -hmm. showing up on your tax return, you can get a essentially a subsidy that the, the government's helping you pay the, that insurance mm -hmm. premium. So you're not paying right. the full freight in right. a sense. Right. Um, and so it can be, there's lots of calculators online that can help you look at that. Um, there's also, you know, there's lots of health insurance um, and a providers or agents or brokers who can help you look at all these things too. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's definitely some uh, details in that, both with how are you pulling income out because there's a whole strategy around how do you keep income low enough to do that, which there's a whole strategy of DDU, things like Roth conversions or tax strategies, which kind of kind of competes with that in terms of how do you prioritize. Right. But yes, this is something that um, a health insurance agent should be able to help you determine to see what 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 would you qualify for. And in many cases, it's very inexpensive. Um, and then of course, once you're 65, you hit Medicare age and you're eligible for that, assuming you have enough quarters. Uh, I'm assuming D does based upon yes. income and looks work like, and all that. Looks like she will. Looks like yeah. she's fine. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so multiple options, but what do people do? Will they do one of any of these things? I like the one that you mentioned, which is if you can get a part-time job and get covered, awesome. Gives you something to do. Ideally, it's something you enjoy doing some income, some health insurance, that could be great, but these are all options. Absolutely. I, I think it's, you know, that's the thing about, um, I think it, to go back on the fire for a second, I kind of view it as like, uh, what's your entrepreneurial spirit? What are you, who are you meant to be at your fullest and best? And, you know, if you can keep making a little bit of money while you do that, well, that only makes your financial life easier. It's not to say that you have to, you certainly don't have to, mm -hmm. but if you can, um, it just makes everything so much easier. Yeah. Fully agree. Anything else to add to this? That's it for me today. You? No, that is it. Thank you, D, very much for your question. Thank you, everyone, for your question, and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there's a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for us to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.